Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh-oh, I don't see him. I can't Oh boy. Testing. Uh -oh. I see me, but I don't see him. There he is. Hello. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? Oh, okay, I didn't. Okay, I got it now. <laughs> you there? Good, man. Good. Can you hear me? Good. Can okay. you hear me? Sound like you're... Yeah, I can hear you. I sound like what? Yeah. No, it sounds like you're in a. I don't know, just in a like a far away a little bit. I mean, you can hear you, but it sounds. Weird, like you got a weird echo or something. I mean, not echo, but just a weird sound, like a metallic sound or something. I don't know. How about now? It sound normal. How about now? No, still, no, still sounds the same. Does it? Let me turn my, my I got my heat on. You got your what? I got my heat on. Let me turn, let me turn the heat. Let me something. Uh, my my heater is blowing. Maybe that's what you hear. Let me turn it off. Okay. How do I sound now? Same. Same. The same. Yeah, you have your headphones yet with you or no? No, I'm talking to my computer, not my phone. Okay, I mean it still works. It still works, you know. It still works. I might throw my headphones on. They should last. If I feel like I'm gonna lose power, I could just go back to speakerphone. But I'm gonna throw my uh, headphones off for the show. So. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. I hear you fine. All right, great. Okay, good. I'm ready to go. Whenever you're ready okay, to let's, go, man. Let's, let's do, do it. Um, we don't have any calls right now. Just me and you right now. I, le I left and you're on here now. So we can go ahead and get started. Welcome to the Arena Talk. Your voice uh, coming to you live on four-time award-winning poet radio station. I am Tom Cat riding the big chair tonight. I am joined again by a man who needs no introduction. A man. 
who stands head and shoulders above the rest, all the rest, a man of impeccable perspective, a man who has been known to pontificate for two and three quarters hours on the particular <laughs> of the different hues of the color sapphire blue. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, may I present? Hello? 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 I'm not, I'm not sure what just happened. I'm not sure what just happened. I got kicked out, but I'm back again. Okay, I can hear you. I can hear you. I think uh, I think Black was there, so I think that's I think Black is with us. Thanks, Black. I can hear you now. We're good. Okay. All right. Okay. Aaron, Aaron, huh? I don't want you to have to repeat all of that, even though I enjoy hearing that. Don't oh no 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 no. I'm riding the big chair tonight, but I am joined. By a brother who needs no introduction, he stands head and shoulders above the rest. He is a man of impeccable perspective, of valor, a man who has been known to pontificate for two and three quarters hours on the particular of the different hues of the color sapphire blue. Ladies and gentlemen, A.A. <laughs> Wajanasi, also known as A Spark. What's up, what's up, what's up? You know, everything you just said is factual, brother. Absolutely. I appreciate all that. You know, I, I appreciate you speaking the truth on me, man. Speak the truth over me, brother. I man, appreciate I had to cut that, it, man. I had to cut it down. What you mean? I had to cut it down. <laughs> we only got an hour show. I, had to, I know you did, man. This is only man, like a, 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 a mere pittance of, of, of what I can say about you. <laughs> we could have we ran it up the that up to 955. And then we Man, I'm saying, they you know? like, damn, that was the whole show? <laughs> right, right, right. It's true, man. It's true. You know, I, <laughs> I do that every morning, man. So, you know, I got to cut myself off, you know, you know, slow down, you know. So, that's okay, right. what, what's going on with you, brother? But um, I'm saying stuff different day, brother. I, I'm just taking it day by day. You know, uh, working, trying to you know, trying to keep busy. You know, still dealing with the situation happening in January, but I'm, I'm I'm working and trying to keep myself busy, trying to, you know, trying to you know, go on with it. I, I'm um having to help my stepmother out a lot. She's struggling a little bit still because my dad was doing everything. You know, right. up up until the, the time of his death, he was doing everything. So there's a lot of things. I mean, I'm still trying to help her find out. Um. Uh, how how the bills are being paid? I gotta go. It's a lot of things. Me and her niece, her niece is really being real helpful to get things mm -hmm. together, to keep her on her feet, so she can get things going, you know, smoothly like they were before my my pops passed away. So, but other than that, you know, um, I've been working a lot. Um, although I'm, I'm I'm trying to take some time off this weekend, hopefully. But hey, what about yourself? Well, first of all, man, I just want to say that you're a good brother, man. Just follow your instincts. I know you're gonna be. I know you're gonna be fine, man. You're a great father, great person. I'm proud of you. Proud to be working with you. We've been doing this since 2013, so you know I, I know you um, as well as anybody, and uh, I know you're gonna do wonderful. Um, for me personally, man, it's uh, life is great, man. I've been doing a lot of writing, man. I'm I'm really proud of it. I'm uh, really been push pushing my skills in terms of um, my technique on my poetry trying to go a different route, trying to give them a different perspective from A-Spark that they haven't seen before, trying to really dig deep and go in on my feelings and try to bring something new that, that maybe people have not heard, a uh, different kind of approach. It's been difficult because it's challenging. You get, mm -hmm. you know, try to do a certain way of presentation, but I've been working on that. Um, got some pieces, got some new stuff I'm working on, so I'm excited about that. Got the, uh, I'll be announcing Provisory's basketball again here in a couple days. I'm excited about that. Um, yeah, they've been all over it, man. They've been, you know, they, it's so funny because I'm not sure who wants who more. I, I'm not sure if they want me more or do I want them more because they keep calling me every day talking about, you coming, right? You coming, right? And I'm like, you want me, right? You want me, right? You want me, there, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know, Maybe it's I, I love it. I, one thing I love to do is announce basketball games. And I love, you know, when you're, 
you would you've been there talking you see me do my thing it's just like for me like i told the athletic director i don't care if there's two people in the stands or it's ten thousand people in the stands and uh, you know and this time we're going to be doing it through youtube it's going to be on youtube so anybody can watch it but i treat it like it's a bulls game you're going to get the players i want them to get the full experience you know when i'm at the game i'm silly i'm engaged i'm you know, I talk to the refs, I, I announce the refs, I want them to feel valued. So uh, it's just a full big time experience and I'm looking forward to it, I can't wait. Uh, they got a good team this year, they should be solid and competitive. So I'm looking forward to that on, on Friday and then uh, next Tuesday and Wednesday as well. So all of that is just uh, it's going down, man. Uh, we got, I don't want to forget to mention our, our uh, founder of Poet, uh, um, four-time National Award-winning Poet Radio, uh, Brother Black Ice, has been nominated for a Chicago Music Award. You can go to chicagomusicaward.org and vote for Brother Black Ice. He's been nominated for Best Spoken Word Artist. You can go, again, to uh, chicagomusicaward.org and go down to, I believe it's section number 11, uh, right in that area, and look under uh, the section for Best Spoken Word Artist. We don't want to forget to mention that because he's done some amazing things throughout the community. He's done uh, a, a lot of good stuff. So we want to make sure that uh, that he's uh, he's well taken care of and well represented. So yes, I sir. Make sure we mention that. Yes, sir. Well, again, we are on Poet Radio tonight and every Wednesday night for the next hour thereabouts. Every Wednesday night, 9 p.m. until 10 p.m. You can find us right here on the aforementioned four-time award-winning Poet Radio. Now, tonight, we got a, a pretty much a full slate tonight. We're going to get... Tom Kent, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Before you before you go any further, too, I just wanted to um, to, to, to give our listeners something to think about. Tomcat and I have been coming together and we've been trying to find ways that we can uh, better the show, enhance the show, provide a better experience for everybody through this COVID. So we are working on some things. We're hoping to have that in the next month or two for you available. So please stay tuned and look forward to some of the things that we can elevate the show to a next to the next level. I just want to say that Tomcat and I talked a lot outside the show and uh, we're trying to make this a better experience for everybody. So. Absolutely. What'd you say? <laughs> Hello? I'm Uh-oh. sorry. You there? Okay, I thought, I thought I lost you again. Okay. Then I'm here. Okay, so we got a lot to get into tonight. We're going to get in, give you our thoughts on the Super Bowl between the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. Also, impeachment part two. Will, will the Senate have, uh, have balls this time around? Whether they be natural or strap-on, doesn't matter. Balls are balls. Um, tonight, we will also, in honor of Black History Month, be spotlighting two very honorable gentlemen from the world of sports, the hard court and the hardwood, respectively. We will give you those names a little bit later in the show. Uh, tonight, at the, and also at the bottom of the hour, we'll have a Tomcat take. As some of you may know, my dad did. As I just mentioned, he passed in January of this year. So tonight's take will be dedicated to him. So... Without any further ado, let's get to it. Uh, Aaron, as you remember, you may recall anyway, I think you were writing these things down Sunday. We gave our pre-games, our pre-game predictions for the show as far as who we thought we were going to win, points and all of that. And uh, now I'm not sure who everyone else picked, but I had picked the Chiefs 24-17, which, as you know by now, did not pan out too well for me. Now... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the Chiefs starting starting offensive line was not intact, and I believe that that may that that may have may have altered somewhat the the final tally of the game. Not saying the Chiefs would have won, but it definitely would have made a bit of a difference. Um, now I, I knew the game would be I knew it wouldn't be attract me, Aaron. In fact, I didn't think it would be fifty points for a uh, score between the two teams. But what what I want what I want to know from you is what do you feel was the biggest advantage? That the Buccaneers exploited on, um, or the, the biggest advantage the Buccaneers had in the game Sunday against Kansas City. Well, well, first before before we even before we do that, I did want to say that um, my prediction for the longest run from either team came true to point. So I didn't get the score right, I didn't get the winning team right, but I did get one prediction right, and that was the longest running yard from scrimmage. 
which was 27. That's my lucky number, and I managed to get one thing right. So, But that's all I got right. So ain't a whole lot to brag about. <laughs> but, 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 but anyway, um, no, I want to say that it was the uh, the defensive line versus the offensive line. It was the, mm-hmm. the Chiefs' ninth different offense, excuse me, yeah, ninth different offensive line of the season. Uh, as you know, as, as I'm sure you know, uh, one of their starting tackles decided not to uh, enter the season and take it off. He is a doctor or studying to be a doctor and wanted to go help out on the front lines of COVID, and he decided to do that. So they, they didn't have him already, and then a couple were injured. So it was their ninth offensive line, line lineup for the season. And clearly Tampa Bay took, took advantage of that because uh, Mahomes was on the run all night long. He didn't – this was the first time, I think, in his career that he did not score a touchdown, professional career, he did not score a touchdown. And it was the biggest whooping that he's ever faced as they lost 31-9. to So the advantage to me was the, the lines in the trenches there was a, clearly lopsided. I think he was uh, sacked three times, but he was running for the entire game. He, he, he couldn't settle in at all. Uh, you know, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, not only um, was it the first time he'd not scored a touchdown, it was this. That was the first double-digit loss he had, he encountered since he's been a pro. First double-digit point loss that he mm-hmm. that he's encountered, and uh, he was. You could see early in the game that it was going to be kind of like tough for him. I, what I want to ask you also, because I was looking at this game early on, and uh, I was I was saying to myself. This is going to be a, a tough night, uh, defense. I mean, to score some points. It looked like from the Kansas City standpoint, anyway. I was hoping because I wanted the Chiefs to win that it would also be the same for the Buccaneers. I was hoping Brady might throw a couple of picks because he hasn't, you know, been you know awesome Tom Brady all year. But I can't say enough about Tom Brady as a player because, and I and I this was even a fear of mine even going into that game because. It seems like you know how the great ones, when it's time, they seem they seem to have a light switch that they can hit, and uh, whether it's a second gear, whatever you want to call it. And when it was I, when it was time in the Super Bowl, he played one a, a magnificent game. He because I mean Mahomes was running for his life all night, and I, I want to know from you before we get a caller online, but before we get to the call, I want to I know want to know from you. Was there a particular moment in this game? Because you and I did text each other a couple times that night. Was there a particular moment in this game where you said Kansas City's going to lose this game tonight? Um, I think, I think probably, probably around halftime. And I'll tell you why because there was another stat that we had we had touched on in the pregame with uh, Jelly Bean that both teams were undefeated when winning at halftime. The Chiefs were not Correct. no. Tampa Bay was 7-0, and I believe. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when I, I really believe. It's, it's, look, you can make some adjustments at halftime, but the way that Mahomes was, was disjointed, and, and also, too, let's not discount the fact that he was injured. He had, he had a problem with his toe. So let's yep. keep that in mind as well. He didn't make excuses after the game, and you don't expect him to. But clearly he was bothered by that because he had to run all the time. If he had better protection, then he could have – you know, hung around the pocket. I'm sure he probably would have performed better. But uh, let's 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 keep these in in, uh, in perspective. So I think about halftime is when I felt that they were in some serious trouble, uh, being down as by as much as they were. The fact that that uh, Tampa Bay was able to score so quickly right before halftime, even though the Chiefs had the ball coming out of the second half, I just felt like that kind of that kind of took the air out of the the stadium a little bit. For me, it was when they got that uh, that third uh, right right when they had that third touchdown. The last, the second two scores they got, it was like you just like you just indicated. It was, was done with such ease, and again, the Chiefs were struggling and barely getting field goals. And I, and when I'm looking at this, I say, okay, I, I, they they're gonna make some halftime adjustments, but he still has to deal with this offensive line issue. He still has to deal with that with that toe injury issue. And at that point, I felt that uh, that Kansas City was going to lose. But I want to get this call up because he's been he's been waiting online a few minutes, and I want to get uh, any kind of uh, insight from this uh, brother on whatever he wants to talk about, whether it's the Super Bowl or the, the weather or whatever it is. Call it. What's your name? What you got to say? 
How y'all doing this evening? This Kendall Jelly Bean Kendall's baby. How y'all doing this evening? Good, Jelly Bean. How you doing, brother? Oh man, I'm blessed, Glad to be here. It's another wonderful day. Thank y'all for having me this evening. Um, my comments, I would say on the Super Bowl, not the way I thought it was gonna go, not the way I wanted to go, but the old statement came up again. Offense win games and defense win championships. And they defense outplayed Kansas City offense by overwhelming margin. It made it tough for them to do anything. That was one of the worst statistical games that Patrick Mahomes has had since he's been in the league. And I give my credit to Tampa Bay defense because I actually really feel like they should have won MVP and not Tom Brady. Uh, I, I know they try to get to the quarterback, but you got to give when when it actually happened. When it actually happened, it was on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and, and, and I, I heard you earlier saying, when did I think the game was over? After New England, I mean, after listen, New England, after Tampa Bay scored in the second half, and Kansas City got the ball back and they drove out of the field and only got a field goal. I do as though you at that point you cannot be trying to trade field goals when that team score a touchdown, you already die. You gotta be able to punch it in. And as well as Tampa Bay playing, not taking nothing away from them, the referees kept the momentum Tampa Bay way the whole game. There was a couple of instances when um Kansas City stopped them on third down and did a flag time. He come a flag. Hello? The defensive holding. Uh-oh, Kenneth? Can you get the ball back? Hello? Okay, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, okay. It was a couple of times we um, can't see it stopped them on third down, and a flag came out, and they get the ball back, and they get the first down, and now they go down the field and score. Momentum uh-huh. changes. And, and people, I know people say, well, no, nah, it wasn't nothing blatant. It don't have to be blatant. It's the little things that they do. They changed the momentum of the game and they kept it towards Apple Bay Way the whole game. And it cost Kansas City. But Kansas City right. didn't come play because I played them. I get I get Tampa Bay they kudos, but I don't like the way the referees call the game at all. Especially when you got eight one in the first half. Come on. I know right. Tampa Bay good they discipline, but it ain't no way you got eight to one disparity when you got one team get eight and one team get one. Come on, man. Yeah, uh there was a it was a record a record a uh, number of uh, penalty and yards in the first half against KC for the Super Bowl. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to make a point here that you're listening right now to Kenneth Jelly Bean Jennings. Next week, when I'll be in the big chair uh, running, the, running, the, uh, running the show, we will be featuring the life of Kenneth Jelly Bean Jennings. We're going to have him on for the entire hour. We're going to talk about his incredible life, what he's gone through, uh, Kenneth was a star football player at Simeon High School here, one of the best high schools uh, behind Provisory, um in the city of Chicago. Ha, and, ha. Um, <laughs> if you haven't guessed, I went to Provisory. But anyway, um, but he had a tragic accident, and uh, he is paralyzed from the neck down. But I tell you, he is one of the best people I've ever met. I, I mean it. He is an incredible human being. We are going to talk about the life of Kenneth Jellybean Jennings. He's writing a book. He has been a mentor. He has been a writer, a poet, a motivational speaker, a coach. And you will not believe what this man has got to tell you. And we are always honored to have my friend, my dear friend, Jellybean on the show to talk about football because he knows so much about it. And he knows so much about current events and black history and so on and so forth. So I'm really looking forward to it. If you want to tune in next week again, you can find us at 9 p.m right here on uh, Poet Radio, uh, 9 p.m. Central, that is. And we'll be talking with Jelly Bean here and interviewing him for the entire hour. Well, thank you so much, brother. I'm really looking forward to that, to be able to just share my story, the blessings that God has brought to me and he's given me, because there is no kind of Jelly Bean without God. Now we'll be Amen. first, last, in between, after, whatever you want to say, there is no, there is no me without God. So I look forward to the opportunity. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, you know, real quick, Kenneth, um, it'd be nice if you want to, just a suggestion, you could have that poem geared up, man, and drop that poem on these people, man, at hot peak you got 
about your life, mm. man. We wouldn't mind, wouldn't mind having having them hear it, man. Like again, Kenneth is Kenneth is paralyzed from the neck down, ladies and gentlemen. And he they they gave him what ten years to live, and you were this is thirty yeah. something, thirty three years later. Yeah, we thirty three this October. Yeah. Wow. So I'm sorry. Okay, I need to cut you off. Oh no, no, man, that's fine. Yeah, thirty three years later, I'm still here, and everything that they told me I couldn't do, God is blessed me to be able to invent something. So, um, give me, let me prompt that poem up. Give me about five minutes, and I I share with everybody. I had that yeah. out. You want me to save it for next week? Well, I'll leave it up to you. Week. Save, save okay, next cool, week. cool. We'll feature it on okay, the show. Okay, that'll work. I, okay, I think we have a caller from the 914 area code. Uh, 914, if you want to uh, join the conversation, please state your name. Otherwise, if you don't want to, you can just listen. Um, my name is Gina. So, so far, you guys have been talking about sports. So, I don't really have anything to say about sports. So, I'll just... Well, Gina, you want to talk about sports. Whatever you want to talk about. It doesn't have to be about sports. Anything you want to get into. Um, well, I'd like to get into that movie, um, about the Malcolm and Marie movie that happened on Netflix. Which movie? The Malcolm and Marie Malcolm. movie. So, so, so Gina, let me do a proper introduction. Okay. So ladies and gentlemen, what, what we have on the line is someone that is very special to me. Um, she is a writer. She is an inspiration. She is a movement. She is the green goddess from the G Lounge, which is a spectacular podcast on Instagram, and they are growing with the franchise, and I'm a part of the tribe, and this is just an amazing, amazing cast of people and family, and she is just an inspiration to so many people, and I'm just honored that you even took the time to call into the show. Normally, we we have a plethora of things that we talk through. It's not just sports anymore, but... um, so what she's referring to is this movie, uh, Malcolm and Marie, that's on Netflix, that we had a Zoom forum about today before our show and before Kenneth's show, actually. And so that's what she's referring to, because it was a beautiful movie. So I just want to set that up and introduce you properly, Gina. I'm so thankful for you, for you to take a few minutes of your time to come to our show. Oh, wow. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. But I wanted, you know, some brothers' perspectives on um on the movie if you guys had seen it well honestly i hadn't had the, the chance to see it yet uh if you, if you could give me a synopsis of it without giving away any any, any of the meat of it uh because i would like to try to check it out aaron was actually mentioning that movie to me before we came on and it sounds interesting but if, if you could give me maybe some sort of a, a a synopsis of what the movie is about so i can check it out but you know what, to be honest with you, brother, this isn't a movie even that I could give you a synopsis on, and I saw it. You know, it was just, it was, it was just a plethora of different feelings, but, um, all right, so let me give you another topic, or we can talk about another topic. Um, what do you think about um, Biden as president and Kamala as uh, the vice president? Like, what do you foresee about uh, what they're going to be doing or what they can or cannot do? Well, one thing I like about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris right now, they are trying not to get caught up in this impeachment mess. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, they but they do seem like they are, at the very least, early at the, from the early onset, trying to um, trying to keep some of the, I hate to say promises, but try to try to keep some of the promises that they made during the campaign. They seem like they are trying to do things for the citizenry at, at large, as opposed to just their their um, their base. And so um, that that much is is at least uh, encouraging. And then they aren't they didn't get in there and they're not golfing, they're not they're not vacationing. They are at least trying to to govern, and they seem to have brought some stability back to the White House as well. Well, Tom Cat, really quick, I can give you a synopsis of that movie, Malcolm and Marie. Just think about my marriage, brother. That's all you got to think. No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't that oh. bad. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. It's actually really, it's a really intense movie. So if you get an opportunity, I would, I would highly recommend you check it out. Plus, the soundtrack is off the chain. So okay. I, I would uh, point that out. But I want to just say that that's a great question, Gina, uh, because we are clearly in an, in an era here where we have, for the first time ever, 
a black vice president, we have a situation where um, it's, it was a toxic takeover uh, or switching of power, so to speak, um, that's going on with Biden. But I think that Biden's signed more. I think uh, I don't know what he's done within the last few days, but I know that prior to this past weekend, he had signed 28 executive orders, which was um, the most that anyone had done this short period of time being in office. But what what when we talk about it, because Tomcat is so knowledgeable about Black history as well, it's one thing that is really one of his fortes, is that when we talk about it, we have to, we've, we've had Democrats in the past and other politicians in the past, as you alluded to, Gina, that have made promises that, that we've never, that have never followed through with those promises. And so we've reached kind of a, an, an era in our history, in our current time, where, where you've got, this has got to be addressed. So you've got to address these issues one way or another. And it's not just about you know, getting them in office. It's about we have a responsibility to follow up and follow through. And Tomcat and I talk about this quite a bit, actually. You, we have a responsibility as a black culture not to just get them in office and leave them alone. No, we've got to make sure that they that we follow up and follow through, that they, that they uh, institute these policies. Some of the things that Biden has done, some of the executive orders, he's put a freeze on student loan activity, which is a high, a, a place where, where black folks have to uh, suffer from because that's an extra expense that they have to pay when they, uh, for minorities who are in colleges. So um, that's one of the things that he's done. He's also in, reinstituted a plan that, that uh, Trump took out where they're looking at every level of the government for systemic racism. And he added something to it, which I thought was beautiful. Not only did he want to identify systemic racism throughout the government, he wanted the leaders, the leadership, to fit, to come with, come up with a plan to fix it, and he he wanted a report on that. So he added to the he added an amendment to the plan that that um that Trump had actually eliminated. Because if you remember in this past during this past summer in an interview, Trump said he didn't believe systemic racism existed. So that's just a couple of the things that he's that he's done. So that's good, but it's obviously not going to solve all the problems that we have. Obviously, but it's a good it's a it's a, it's a good start. So, mm -hmm. Tomcat, do you have any other thoughts? Uh, not on that one. No, that's 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 not on that one. I, I, I again, um, I I've seen a lot of things that he's doing so that they're doing so far. Again, what mainly is impressing me is that they seem to be they at the very least on the onset seem to be seem to be concerned with regular people. Well, most most of most of the populace, not just you know a few people, and that and that's uh that's that's refreshing. We haven't seen that in at least five years now. So, well, we have uh we have another call online. Maybe we can get his perspective or his either on this subject or another one. A call from seven seven three five five two. You are able to speak. What's your name, sir or ma'am? Michael. Hey, Michael. How you doing? I'm good, and you? Pretty good, pretty good. It's it's on you, my brother. We you can talk about either uh, politics or getting the Super Bowl from Sunday or whatever might be on your mind tonight. Well, I want to touch on the uh, political thing for a moment. And okay. I was listening to the young lady was asking, you know, what do we think about Biden and Kamala Harris? And I did hear you touch on and said that they were doing a pretty good job about what they were doing, signing, the, you know, the executive orders and everything. But one thing I want to put out as a black people, as a black race, we cannot always expect for someone to come in and do things that we should be doing, no matter if it was Biden, Trump, President Obama. You know, us as a black, we cannot sit here and say, well, I want Biden to do this for the blacks. What are you doing for yourself? We mm. have to stop waiting on people to open the door for us when we need to learn to open the door for ourselves. Now, right now, with the social injustice and, you know, stuff like that, white people are starting to realize, hey, you know what, we, we kind of dropped the ball on this. But as black people, even if this didn't happen, what are you doing to make yourself as a black race better so they can respect you? In a point to where they say, hey, you know what? We got to stop doing this stuff. They are not playing. And if we don't start with ourselves, how are they going to help us? You know, you see so many things that black people do that separates us to a certain point to where white people say, well, they go those N-words 
those, you know, and then there's blacks. But if you eliminate all that stuff that, you know, the so-called N-word does, they'll have to respect you as a black race. But it yeah, all starts with ourselves. It, it's interesting, Michael, because I sat in on a, uh, I was asked to sit in on a, a Zoom leadership conference this past Sunday, and uh, mm-hmm. it was a it was a collection of community leaders, doctors, black, all black doctors, black community leaders, mm-hmm. black attorneys, and we we discussed the idea of of oppression in the black culture. We discussed the idea of black privilege if it existed or we felt it existed in a macro or micro level, either one. Mm-hmm. And the notion came up of exactly what you just said about mm-hmm. black people doing for themselves. But one brother brought right. up the point that it appears to be for some reason there's a disconnect for black people. Like we don't want to see other black people do well. Why is it that mm-hmm. every, it, seems, it appears to be that most other cultures are okay with lifting each other up. Like you have Chinatown, you have a lot mm-hmm. of these, you know, people coming from various countries where they help lift each other up and get them a business. But black people, for some reason, are not comfortable doing that type of thing. And that 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 is an issue that we have got to look ourselves in the mirror. See, it's easy for us to sit here and come up with some of these solutions, but it's not right. easy for us to get to the root of it and look in the mirror. People never want to look in the mirror. Because sometimes it's right. painful for you to look in the mirror. Yeah. And it's hard yeah. for us to look in the mirror of the black culture. But that's yeah. really an issue for us. Sometimes it we is. have the perspective of, I'm going to get you before you get me. And I've never yeah. understood that because one thing about our black culture, we're very spiritual. We're very mm-hmm. spiritual. We'll go to church and yeah. we'll pray. We'll pray over people. We'll, I'm sending you prayers and love. And, and they'll be all over that. And God is right. love. God is equal to love. And, but right. we are not equipped as a society to spread love to each other consistently. And I don't understand that. And that's what this brother was saying. And I thought he made a valid point. Yeah. Well, I, I think a lot of that has to do with, if you look at it, you have babies raising babies. The new grandmother or the great-grandmother's 35, grandmama's 25, daughter's 15. So if you only have a 10 to 15-year uh, span how are they able to teach when they don't even know themselves? A lot of it comes from the simple fact of it is there's no fathers in the house. So when you don't have a foundation, a structure, something to stand on, how are you going to be able to do it? You know, I mean, I know when my grandmother came up, you know, you heard about the togetherness. You heard how you can go to Mr. Johnson's store and say, Mr. Johnson, I need some corn and I need this and my word is bond. Now, all that has been broken. And I think a lot of it has to do with, sadly to say, social media. Mm. Especially with our younger right. people. Social media has so much negative influence. When you see something positive, oh, that's lame. That's whack. All oh, them dudes are suckers. They want to see negativity. They want to see violence. And this is what gets them. So what do they have to build on? Nothing but negativity. And then the generation, like with me coming up, you can only, you know, do your part. But the younger generation trying to bridge the gap with the younger and the old school, it's hard because the first thing they say is, are you on social media? Well, no. I'm telling you what I've experienced. Well, if I don't see that on social media, it don't matter. You know, you're, right. that's the point you say social media, but I notice. Uh, when I'm on social media, first of all, let me remind everybody that we are on tonight on four-time award-winning Poet Radio. This is the four-time award-winning Poet Radio station we are broadcasting from this tonight and every Wednesday night from 9 to 10 p.m. Um, what I started to say was, what I notice sometimes, because I am on social media, and I see I see certain stories that uh, if there's something nice, some people don't want to, they, they might not want to share it. Or comment yeah. or like it or whatever. But if it's something that's that's salacious or something that's juicy, you know, people they they don't like 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 a dog to raw meat. And so that's that kind of plays to the to the point what you said. And not only that, what you said before about um people having children a lot younger. If you're fifteen yeah. years old, you know, this is this is the father and the mother, not just the mother, but the father and the mother. If you're fifteen years old, yeah. how can you you can't I mean, you're just a baby yourself. And now you now you're a parent. You're trying to, I guess, on the fly as a 15 year old, develop parenting skills and try to lead this little life 
in the proper direction and oftentimes they 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 are they're lacking in those in those in those areas and that's why that is part of the problem that's what's going on but but as far as why why we as a black people don't seem to to we can't it's, it's almost like if we see our brother doing something doing well brother or sister in the back of our minds if not even in the forefront it's it's, it's some kind of negative comment that seems to come mm-hmm. come to as opposed to being yep. myself with uh, Michael or uh, Aaron or uh, Jellybean, uh, Janine, if, if I see you guys excelling, I'm happy for my brother. I'm happy for my sister. But unfortunately, oh, yeah. a, a lot of lot of unfortunately, a lot of us aren't that way. And that's just, that is something that we need to we kind of need to correct because I mean we can there are don't get me wrong there are socially incorrect um, things in this country that needs to be corrected. But at the same time. There are things that we have to look in. One, one of you guys said it earlier. It's, it's, it's tough looking in that mirror. It's tough pointing that thumb. It's easy to point the finger and it's hard oh, to point oh, that yeah. thumb. We have to look at ourselves have, at some point and, and, so, and do so something for ourselves. Uh, so, Tomkin, so, Tom, I just want to encourage you to check, check, your, phone. To check your phone. Oh, okay. Uh, I encourage you to check your phone from time to time. Um, but is there anyone else that wants to make a comment? Jeannie, if, you, if you're still here, if you'd like to make a comment or, or, or counter on anything? No, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying listening to brothers. It seems like mostly brothers talking. So this is kind of new for me just to hear it on male perspective. So I'm just enjoying it. We appreciate well, that. I'll, I'll let you make this comment on that. Um, I remember a few years ago, I was talking to one of my therapists when I was at the rehab. And she had asked me about what I think about um, the gangs here in Chicago and everything. And I think this is another way where they um, help break it down the city. And not saying that gangs are right or gangs are wrong. I'm not, that's not what I'm necessarily speaking about right here. Um, and I was telling her that I think when they broke up all the heads of the gangs, that it caused problems within the community. And she went to tell me about um, a story when she was in college. She went to the University of Michigan, and she said they had did a study on elephants. And what they had did, they went into about 10 different herds of elephants and took the head of the elephant out of the herd. And what what came about from that was chaos. Because there wasn't no structure anymore, wasn't no leader anymore. And you got chaos. Yeah. And when they locked up all the leaders here, the gangs in Chicago about five years ago, ever since then, we've been having chaos within our communities. Yeah. Shootings went up. More, the more the carjackings. Is, is, I feel like we're living in a grand theft auto world right now. Mm. Yeah. Where, yeah. And 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 that and I think that was another way for them to break us down by yeah. taking. Because when you remember when things used to happen in the neighborhood, you mm. go to whoever was the, the head of the neighborhood, the head of that yeah. gang, and say, hey, my grandmother got stuck up, or something happened, something happened there. They went and mm-hmm. took care of it. So we were in That's some right. ways policing ourselves. Yeah. But once they did that, they knew what they was doing. So I think they took the same experiment that would happen with the elephants and did it with humans. Yeah. And we You're got right. nothing but chaos going on right now. Yeah, you were definitely right about that. And it's sad, like you say, at a time where we were able to police ourselves. There were, you know, Bernie Mac had a sign, where's the honor amongst thieves? There's no more honor. You know, the young guys come out, they want to make their own rules, their own regulations, say, hey, this is how it is. Nobody wants to get into those grooves that were dug already before we came there. Those grooves are for us to follow them. Once you follow them to a certain point and you came out, you came out with a sense of uh, uh, a learning experience. Now, nobody wants to learn. Hey, I'm going to dig my own grooves. This is how it's going to be. And you haven't learned anything. You know, these grooves were dug for a reason. And we have to follow certain guidelines. But now, sadly to say, not a knock against the younger people. But they don't want to do that. Oh, I already know. Already know, and then when you ask them something of importance, well, nobody told me. But you already told me you know everything. 
You know, and this is why I said we have to try to bridge the gap between the younger generation and the old school in order for them to kind of get some kind of foundation and structure to stand on. Because right now, like you say, it's pure chaos. Uh, and it's sad because there was a police officer I talked to said, I think the 12 or the 13-year-old girl that they arrested, simply just what you said. She learned they're doing a live Grand Theft Auto. And that's crazy that a video game has impacted their lives to where it's fun to carjack. Again, you know, uh, but it's silly. I'm sorry, let me just say again, we are broadcasting on four-time award-winning Port Radio tonight and every Wednesday night from 9 until 10 p.m. Uh, tonight, we want to shift gears real quick because we want to, in honor of Black History uh, Month, we are going to spotlight a black athlete each week, actually two each week. Uh, before Aaron and I get into ours, if anyone else, whether it's uh, the young lady or uh, one of the gentlemen want to uh, step in with a, a, any kind of a, a, whether you want to just say a favorite athlete or a story you have to relay about an athlete or any, any such um, this evening, anybody who wants to go first? Ladies first. You know. Ladies first. I go. I, I don't know anything about sports, so uh, yeah, <laughs> nothing. I know nothing about it except it, it comes on, on Sunday. Okay. Jellybean, what do you think? How about this? Hold, hold on, Sophie. How about this, Gina? Is there someone special? A black, a black figure that you've met that meant something because you know I, I can name someone that I met that's not an athlete that 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 completely blew me away when I met him. So maybe there's someone that that you met that completely blew you away, um, and maybe, maybe you know maybe it doesn't have to be an athlete. Maybe it's not even an athlete. It doesn't have to be an athlete. Right. It's a black figure. Yeah. Um... Anyone? Um, that I didn't date, right? That I didn't date. So um, <laughs> I, I didn't want to say anything, Dina. Uh, no. I didn't want to say anything. I, they don't know, so I didn't want to say anything. Oh uh, no! I mean, like, like I've dated people in the NFL and still didn't understand what the freak they totally did. So I am so not the person for this question. Like I have no idea. Like none. <laughs> None. <laughs> and there's nothing there's nothing more narcissistic than an NFL football player who who has no idea you know when I have no idea what they do for though so I am so not the yeah but please enlighten me is there oh Hank Aaron is that that's uh baseball right yeah that is correct actually Hi. <laughs> actually, he, he passed away recently. Actually, also, Hank, Hammer and Hank did pass away a couple of weeks back. Yes, ma'am. Right. Okay. All right. There I go. Gold star. Okay. Well, thanks, very much. <laughs> Jelly Bean, you got My mom's favorite athlete, by the way. Kenneth, uh -huh. you got Kenneth? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Um, yeah. Who I would like to highlight is um, Walter Payton. May he rest in peace. He's no longer with us. Um, but I remember the first time I met them, met that, met that man. Um, sweetness is what he was. He was one of the sweetest men that you could ever imagine. He took time out to to come talk to me for one. That was the the special part about it. But I remember about maybe a few months before he passed away, um, I was at a Bears game with someone else. That I will highlight, but at a different time, Gerald Stingley, who was a professional football player that got hurt about ten years before I did. Um, playing for New England, got hurt by Jack Tatum of the Oakland Raiders. And mm -hmm. we were sitting in the stands watching the game. We were right around uh, maybe the 50-yard line. And Walter looked up in the stands and seen us. And he jumped over like two or three gates, jumped on the rail and climbed up into the stands and sat there with us and pretty much talked and watched the whole game with about almost an hour and a half. Wow. And it, for me, it just meant so much. And to see no sooner, not, not long after that, he passed away. And that's just a moment that I would never forget. I would cherish to have opportunity to say that I sat down and really got a chance to know who Walter Payton really was. Mm. Interesting. Cool. Uh, Michael, you have to say? Um, 
I would probably say Bill Russell. Mm. Okay. You know, a lot of people, like you know, a, a lot of people, you know, because, you know, and this might be for a different subject. Everybody throws this thing out about the GOAT, the GOAT, the GOAT, you know, mm-hmm. LeBron James, Michael Jordan. But people fail to realize, whoops, I mean, uh, Bill Russell did it in a time when there was really serious racism in Boston, mm-hmm. you know, and to win championships mm-hmm. the way he did as a player and as a player coach, that took a lot. You know, but we throw the word goat out, the goat, the goat, the goat. I mean, this guy's got more rings than possibly anybody combined together, you know. And his influence and his mannerism of how he handled it, you know, like I say, in Boston, predominantly all-white team, you know, that takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of it takes a lot of everything, you know, to be able to do what he did and be successful, you know. And people sleep on the fact that Bill Russell done it better than anybody that could ever have done it, you know, at 6'11". And then the fact that you had to guard Will Chamberlain, who was the one of, considered one of the most dominant big men in the league. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when he came up against Bill Russell – Bill Russell was like, hey, bro, you could be a giant, but I'm going to put this stopper on you, and he made it happen. You know, so I would probably say Bill Russell through the whole era of, like I said, in the 60s, you know, coming up to, you know, now where, and this is another thing when we're talking about black history, where it seems like our history is history because you can ask somebody, mm-hmm. a younger person, about Bill Russell. Who is that? Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, but yet and still, they took history out of school because when we came up, all we were told was, you know, you rode on a slave ship. Okay, well, what about the slave? What about everything else? What about mm-hmm. Harriet Tubman? What about, you know, uh, Madam C.J. Walker? All these things mm-hmm. that we learned about when we were younger. Now, kids don't know anything about that. You yeah. know, if it's not something that's new, that's on social media, you know, now, they don't know. And Public Enemy had a song, you know, where it says history is history. We we can't just be history. We can't. We have to bring it back in some shape, form, and fashion for the younger generations to know about black inventors. You know, you, black basketball, yeah. back black basketball players, like you say with Walter Payton. You know, people be like, Who? What? Who is that? You know, and it's yeah. sad. It is really sad. Now, you made some great points, Mike, and I appreciate that. Um, I did just want to say that, uh, that um, you know, um, you talk about – and actually, Kenneth has heard me do it. When I do my motivational speaking, and I, I, I do some mentorship programs as well for black youth, uh, Kenneth was there when I, when I did one of them. Um, and one of the things that I talk about is that we've lost a connection to our history. So mm-hmm. when you lose the connection, when you, when you, and I wrote a saying and I was looking for it, I can't remember it exactly, but I recently wrote a saying that something along the lines of when you lose the connection to your past, you, you, you lose the power of your future. And that's oh, exactly yeah. what we've done as a culture. That's yeah. exactly what, we, what we've done as a culture. And I was looking for that exact, how I exactly I worded it. And I mean to cut you off, Tomcat, but I, I think you make, you make a very good point uh, in all of that. So I just wanted to point that out. That's okay. Um, but that's a, a good. That was a good one, Michael. Uh, Bill Russell. Aaron, did you want to get into yours this evening? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I want to get into mine. Um, the first thing right I want to say is that I alluded to I alluded to someone someone that I had met who was not a who who left a, a very deep impression on me uh, when I was working as a concierge at a hotel, which is one of my favorite jobs of all time. Uh, but I got a chance to meet Dr. Cornell West. And he was not like anything that I imagined or that you see on TV. He was one of the most humble, most real brothers I have ever met in my life. And I went out there with my radio mind, my interview mind, and I just wanted to say hello. And I said, Brother brother uh, West, would you mind? I just wanted to say hello. I know you're waiting for the bus here to go do your thing, but I just wanted to say thank you for everything that you've done and what you're doing and blah, 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 blah. And before I knew it, he had flipped the script on me, 
And he was like interviewing me. <laughs> and he was like, well, what are you doing? What, what's going on with you? And I said, well, I'm doing this and I'm, I'm trying to get, you know, go back to school. I'm divorced and I'm not getting things in order. He said, listen to me. I want you to make a promise to me, young man. I said, yes, sir. He said, just promise me one thing. I said, yes, sir, anything. He said, I don't care what anybody tells you. You're not too old. You're not too fat. You're not too young. You're not too this. You're not too that. You've got everything you need. Just don't ever quit. And he looked me in my eye and he said, don't ever quit. And I said, I said, yes, sir. I want you to see, you didn't hear me. Look at me. Look at me, son. I said, yes, sir. He said, don't ever give up. He said, there's going to be a lot of things pulling you this way and that way, but I don't want you to ever quit. Promise me you're not going to quit. I said, I promise you, sir. And I have never forgotten that encounter with Dr. Cornell West. Incredible. Okay, so um, so I wanted to get into uh, the, the, the person that I had picked for tonight. The athlete that I picked for tonight is Arthur Ashe. And the reason I picked Arthur Ashe, when I was growing up in a predominantly black neighborhood, um, I was looking for something to do in the spring. And a brother of mine, who's, who I'm still good friends with to this day, pulled me into playing tennis. Now, when I was playing tennis, we were like the only two black guys on the team. On, on the team. So uh, we had a great time and everything. But Arthur Ashe was an inspiration for me, right? Arthur Ashe was not only just a tennis player, he was an innovator because he was really the only black tennis player out there that was, that was of any good. So black, uh, uh, Arthur Ashe was the only black, is still the only black tennis player to win Wimbledon, to win the Australian Open, and to win the, uh, the French Open. So it's, it's kind of, he, he's just done, broken so much ground. It, you know, he passed away in 1993 from HIV that he got from a blood transfusion. And it's still when you, remarkable when you think about the advances that black athletes have made, that Arthur Ashe in 1977 is the last athlete, black athlete to win Wimbledon. It's kind of amazing when you think about it, it's been that long. So um, he's just been a, an innovator, creator, and activist uh, for our black culture. And um, he, he started the Arthur Ashe Foundation for HIV, and he's just been amazing. Now, when you look at it, he won uh, back in 1977, 1980, I think, when he retired. He won over a million and a half dollars. And I looked it up. It equates to about almost $7 million in today's terms, not to mention all of the, um, you know, all of the, the stuff that he would have gotten through social media and, you know, hats and tennis rackets and everything like that. But anyway, so Arthur Ashe was my pick today, Tomcat for our Spotlight Athlete of the Week, Black Athlete of the Week for Black History Month. You're up. Okay, that was an excellent choice. And uh, right now, what I want to do is I want to thank everyone for calling in this evening. Um, I want to thank uh, Michael. I want to thank Jelly Bean. And I'm sorry, I forgot the young lady's name again. Tina. Tina. Tina, I'm sorry. Yeah, check your phone too, Aaron. <laughs> I already did. You, you got to check it out. I, I, I just got it now. You just answered me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, everybody, for calling in. Right now, we wanna, I want to get into my the Tomcat take for this evening again. Um, my, my pops um, passed away unexpectedly in the early part of January, and I'm, I'm still, still dealing with some of that right now, but I wrote this up uh, in kind of like a tribute to him. Hope everybody likes it, so here we go. They say superheroes wear tights and capes. My hero, he mowed the lawn, paid the bills, and hung the drapes. He entered the Corps in 56, fresh out of high school, no time for running the streets, no time for kicks. He told me boot camp was real. It's a good thing he didn't get high. Master Sergeant Thomas H. Tracy forever, Semper Fi. On his return to the shy, he would wed my mother. She was a struggling single mom raising my sister and my brother. Both kids need a daddy, he said, and I'm the one. Oh yeah, Thomas H. Tracy was second to none. Now our childhood, it wasn't lavish, but yeah, we were happy. He was my dad, my father, my pit pat pappy. His heart was kind, loving, not a bone was vicious. The decisions he made were very thoughtful, judicious. As a child one summer, I thought I'd go insane. After years of watching on WGN, finally, he took me to a Cubs game. Holy cow, rather, hey, hey, the announcer exclaimed. 
You see, it was Jack Brickhouse in the booth at that time. Harry Carey had yet to be named. In the Marines, he walked. Ten hut, ten hut, single fight. And he came with his militaristic master sergeant swag, walking his daughters down the aisle. When my brother would get into trouble on the wrong side of the tracks, hanging with the boys, many of whom didn't have anyone's backs, the 911 would go out. Excuse me, Pop, I need to shout. I need your help. There is no doubt. I've stood my ground. My stance is stout. I'm calling you now with my whereabouts, hoping and praying that you and your Roscoe will soon be en route. When my homework had me vexed or even perplexed, you would enter my room without any special effects. No bolts of lightning, no webbing, no bulletproof vest. Yet still, you would enter my room with an italic D emblazoned across your chest. For years, you were my counselor, my confidant, always lending me your ear. You rendered sage advice time and time again, yet every time making it emphatically clear that the decision was mine, so to consider it with care. Your words were concise, precise, without fanfare or flair. But as we all know, mm. take your time, Tom Cat. You got this, brother. I'm here with you, man. We all here with you, man. We got you. Breathe, brother. Breathe. This story ends the same. We're here for a season, then it's back from which we came. <clears throat> when God created my father, truth be told, if I may be so bold, he broke the mold. Not flashy or arrogant, but dependable and kind. My dad was heroic, special, and incredible fine. Mm. While the love I have for you is incredible, God loves you best. I love you, Dad, and I miss you terribly, but after a job well done, you deserve to rest. I'm Tomcat, and that is my take. Tomcat, and that is his take. Tomcat, that was absolutely beautiful, brother. Let me just tell you guys really quick about my radio partner. We have been doing this since 2013 on some level. Usually we are on sportstownchicago.com. Um, we have been together, as I said, of June of 2013, this man is a great father. He is a great leader. He is a great community activist. He is a wonderful, wonderful human being. And when I tell you that he loves his father, I remember when his father was um, was having problems with uh, cancer and Tomcat was doing the show. And I remember looking across and that man was in tears in his eyes and he still did the radio show in the studio. And I was so proud of him. And this is, there's not too many people out there that would, ever, I'm sure, say a bad word about Tomcat. I love you so much, brother. I'm so proud of you. I'm honored to be your co-host, and it's just been a pleasure. And I know your father's looking down, and he's smiling at you. That was absolutely beautiful, Tomcat. Uh, thank you yeah. very much. I, I, yeah, I love it was him. very beautiful. My father's no longer yeah. here. He, he passed away from cancer. And just, just to hear the words he just spoke, just so eloquently and beautifully said, I want to um, say thank you for sharing that with us. That was truly God sent right there. Mm -hmm. My pleasure. Yeah, um, thank you. Oh, thank, thank, thank you all for for bearing with me and helping me get through that. That was rough, but thank you very much. <sighs> oh, so again, um, <laughs> uh, thank you all very much again for tuning in. Please don't be strangers to the show. Next week. Aaron will be, as he stated before, riding in the big chair, uh, running running the show for us. Uh, anything special you get for next week, Aaron, or you want to wait get surprises until next week? No, as I said earlier in the show, we're going to be interviewing, uh, he's right here, Kenneth Jellybean Jennings. Um, oh, yeah. If, if anybody missed it, um, Kenneth, who, has, who just spoke about his father, is, is paralyzed from the neck down. Kenneth is one of the most amazing people I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. Um, he's got an incredible story to tell, and and even as I talked, I talked to Kenneth. He's on our morning, our morning, uh, our morning breakfast crew. We talk almost every morning, and I still learn stuff from this young man. Uh, beautiful, indelible spirit, and you you don't want to miss this show. That'll be next week, Wednesday, 9 p.m. Central, on the Arena Freedom Talk Radio, Your Voice, Your Volume, featuring the life and times of Kenneth Jellybean Jennings. You don't want to miss that. It will be a special tribute. Call in and listen if you have a question 
uh, for Kenneth. I'm sure he'll be willing, more than willing to answer any questions. And he's going to be performing his poem that he wrote. I'm very proud of that. You did a great job with that, Kenneth. Thank you. Thank you. Like I said, I look so forward to this. Like I said, once again, it, it, it ain't my story. Actually, it's God's story. It's God. It's the testament that he's gifted me with. And to every chance I get a chance to share it, to put it out here, I will continue to do so. Because that's why I'm still here. God wanted me to share this testimony, to give him the glory and to praise him and thank him. And that's what I'm going to continue Amen. to do. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, thanks, everybody, for joining in. Please don't be strangers again. It's time to sign off for the Arena Talk. I'm Tom Cat. He's Aaron A.A. Ronjanowski. Talk to you later. Peace. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.